Thank you, Miss Robin. Mark chapter 12 this morning. Mark chapter 12. We're going through the book of Mark, verse by verse. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 this morning. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury, beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which makes a farthing. He called unto him his disciples and said to them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more, cast more in than all that they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Gracious Father, once again, we just thank you. Thank you for the, your, your precious word, how powerful it is, Father, how precious it is. We thank you, God, it's been provided for each one of us today. God, you could have spoke. By writing your word in the sand, you could, have, you could have spoke by writing your word in, in the sky or some other means, but you chose the written word to reveal yourself to us primarily today. So I pray, Lord, you'd help us to heed, to hear, to heed your word today, and may each one of us walk away from this place closer to Jesus Christ than when we first came. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You ever gone to the mall? I'm, talk, I'm talking to the men. You ever go to the mall or airport or ballpark while your wife was shopping or doing other things and you were just watching other people? Maybe you, you're outside, you're on the bench, and you know, you, you're bored half to death, and so you're people watching. You ever watch people watch people? <laughs> Here in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is sitting down in the temple watching people. He's watching people give. He's observing them. Now, I'm sure it's like in most places, he's maybe not so much focusing on what, they're, what they have on, though what you wear is important. I dress up on Sunday, not because I'm the pastor, because it's the Lord's day. I believe the Bible says that whether you eat, drink, or whatsoever you do, you do all to the glory of God. So I want to glorify God in how I dress, in my manner of speech, in my actions. But more than that, more than just the outward appearance, we want to focus on what Jesus saw that only he could see. He saw the intents of the heart. He saw not just what looked on the outside, which every man could see. He saw something that was different, that something that, that made him take notice, something that uh, caused him to pause and share it with his closest friends, his disciples. So often in life, we get caught up in the, in the outward, in the external, in what we see. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So we get caught up in the glamorous. We get caught up in the glitter. We get caught up in the gold, what we can only see. But God sees the heart. God sees the heart. Reminds me of that verse in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, saith the Lord. So what do we see here in, this few, in these few verses in Mark chapter 12? First, starting with verse 41. First of all, we see the watch at the treasury. 
to watch at the treasury, particularly the place. What is this place? Well, as I mentioned, he is in the temple. He's in the temple. If you have an opportunity to Google or look at the temple, you'll notice that within the temple there's a place called the Court of the Women. It is a place where women can go and men, but women cannot go outside of that courtyard. They can't go any further in than where they were. In this Jewish temple, there were several uh, areas. There was several apartments constructed for several reasons, some of them to, to hold the priests themselves. Some of them uh, actually were used for storage. But some of these areas were used specifically for the treasury. In the treasury, there were 13 different trumpet-like receptacles that you could put your money in, and it was wide on one side and narrow on the other, so when you put the money in, it would cling or clang all the way down into the treasury chest. And, of course, the treasury chest went to go for uh, temple, th- temple needs, uh, spices, the, the, the needs of the church, the, taking care of the, the high priests and different things. But this is the place where it's located. But what about the people? Well, it says here in chapter 12, looking here in verse number 41, that the people here cast in money. The word cast actually means to throw or to let go of a thing without caring where it falls, to pour into it. They cast they cast the money. They, they gave the money. And Jesus was there watching them cast. And I wonder if he's, he's sitting there and he's thinking to himself, and we don't know what Jesus is saying, but I can imagine if he was sitting there thinking to himself, you know, seeing what they look like, man, they have their reward. Uh, <laughs> they have their reward. Oh, man, they, 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 they said so much about what they said. And they, they, they made such a do about what they did. or They made such an impression about what they They have their award. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart be also. He talked often in the scriptures about these type of people. In Mark chapter 12, verse 38, look at it just across the way there. Mark chapter 12, verse 38, it says, and he said unto them about, about their doctrine, talking about the scribes and Pharisees. Beware the scribes which go into the long clothing, love salutations in the marketplaces, for their chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms in the feasts, which devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayers. These shall receive, or receive greater damnation. These people who knew the Old Testament very well, they were scribes. And they were concerned only on the exterior, on what people could see not on the interior, what God can see. That's important. That's important. You see, God sees everything about us. He doesn't just see what we, what we, where we go or what we do. He knows the intent of the heart. He knows why you put that offering in the offering plate this morning. He knows why you came to church today. He knows why you're sitting maybe in a particular seat or the, the way you, the reason why you dress the way you dress this morning. He knows all those things. All we can see is what we can tell from the outwardly. But God knows everything about us. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 139, verse 1, O Lord, thou search me and know me, thou knowest my downsitting, my uprising, thou understanding my thoughts afar off, thou compassest my path and my lying down, thou art acquainted with all my ways. 
There's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before. Thou hast laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. God knows it all. God knows it all. He knows the motives of our hearts. The intents of our hearts in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 12. But, O Lord of hosts, thou triest the righteous and seest the reins of the heart. Jesus was watching the wealthy. But he particularly focused in on this widow lady. What I'm saying to you, dear, little things... Little things that we do, the intents of our heart matters. The intents of our heart matters. I read from a book by Max Licato, the story of a man by the name of Gail Haverson. And you probably never heard of him, and I never had either until I read about this man. During World War II, as some of you are history buffs, after World War II, Berlin was basically devastated. But there were 2.5 million hungry people left. In Berlin, Germany. Who's going to feed them? Well, the people that actually conquered them came in and fed them. The United States of America and England, the British, who came in and fed those who we, de- who we defeated. But this man, who was a, a pilot in the U.S. Air Force, saw one day after he landed his plane some kids over by a fence, looking in through the fence at all the aircrafts that was landing. And he saw these kids and he thought to himself, I'm just going to walk over there and see these kids. And they were just little dirty kids, you know, starving, struggling. Probably many of them didn't have a place to go. And he pulled out some, some, a pack of gum, sticks of gum, and he folded it in half and broke it in pieces and gave it to them. And to them, it was like a million dollars. And he said to the kids, I'm coming back tomorrow. And they said, you are coming back tomorrow? And he said, yeah, I'll come back tomorrow. He says, how do we know if you'll come back tomorrow? He says, when I fly in, I'll wiggle my wings. I'll wiggle my wings. And he came back tomorrow and he borrowed candy from all the people he could borrow because he knew a group was probably bigger than what came the day before would come. And the group was larger the next day and they wanted candy. And this happened day after day after day until it officially, by the U.S. Air Force, became Operation Little Vittles. And his name became Uncle Wiggly Wings. And they gave out three tons of candy to those little children in Berlin. See, preacher, that don't matter a whole lot. To those little kids, it mattered a whole lot. It mattered a whole lot. We see the watch at the treasury, but secondly, the widow's gift. Look at verse 42 again. It says, there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Now, I've heard a story on Christmas Day, after day after Christmas. Actually, a man was going to the store to pick up a paper. He walked, he walked, walked inside, picked up the paper, looked outside, and some little kid was looking at his car. He was thinking, I better get back out to my car because I'm afraid my hubcaps are going to be gone. (laughs) He went out there, and the kid was on and eyeing his his car. And he said, said, Mr., where did you get a car like this? He said, actually, it was a gift from my brother. And the kid said, I wish I could be a brother just like that. I wish I could be a brother just like that. 
You see, that's the type of spirit this widow had. She wasn't concerned so much about what she could get. She was concerned about what she could give. You see, in life, dear friends, there's only two types of people. There's those who give and those who grasp. Those who say, I want to help others, and those who, in their hearts, say, I want to take from others. This one widow lady, this poor widow lady, was a giver. We see her problem. It actually, we said, we know that she was poor. There's actually two words in the Greek language which speaks to be poor. Someone, first of all, who earns a meager wage, and next, someone uh, who's utterly destitute and of poverty that is outwardly visible. This woman, when you looked at her, everybody would say, this is a poor woman. By her actions, by her attitude, by her dress. But though she had a problem, she had a greater personality. She had a great personality because she was willing to do something that most folks are not willing to do. Give what they have. These little, these little coins that they have were called leptons, which means peeled or fine. They're worth about one-fifth of a cent. She gave two coins worth about one-fifth of a cent. See, she wasn't saying, look at me. She wasn't saying, see what I'm doing. She was so concerned with giving the gift that that was all that mattered to her. She wasn't giving it to a cause. She wasn't giving it to the temple. She was giving it to the Lord. And dear friend, that's the attitude and spirit that all of us should have. When we give, it's unto the Lord who's giving us all things. What do you possess today that the Lord Jesus Christ has not given to you? He's given you the ability, men, to work with your hands, to walk with your feet, to think with your mind, at least as long as you have it. To see with your eyes. He gives us those ability. All that we have, have had, and will have is only because of the grace of God. It's only because of the grace of God. If you struggle with giving a tithe, you have a wrong view of God. And the most important thing about you is not how much money you make. How much retirement you have in your IRA. The most important thing about you is your view of God. God has given us all things. He is the great giver. And dear friend, he only asks for a tenth, a tithe back. Oh dear, we, we need to be so generous and gracious in our give. But some people are stingy and hold on and are fearful. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 19, verse 30? Many that are, are, are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. It reminds me of a story of Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. How many of you remember Hurricane Katrina? Came off the coast there of Florida, went up towards New Orleans. Well, when it hit New Orleans, we know the, we know the levees broke because of many problems. We'll go into that. It's a different sermon already. But the, the town was flooded. And several thousands of the people who were in that catastrophe actually fled to San Antonio. I didn't know that. And while they were in San Antonio, one of the men relayed a story to a doctor 
that he was in a house and water was coming up over the windows and he, he knew his only hope to save himself and his two children was to climb out of the window and try to swim to the highest location possible. So climbing out of the window and two children on his back, he swims out of his house, imagine that, and all the stuff in that water, imagine that. And he finds finally a place where his foot touches something. And he gets a little closer and gets a little closer and gets a little closer and he finally gets to higher ground. And then people, other people see him and they come to that higher ground. And they stay on that higher ground for three days, but while they're on that higher ground, they start to look around at the place they're actually, they're actually standing and they recognize it's a church. And one of the ladies standing there looked at the church, looked a little harder and said, my grandfather built this church. The folks that built that church that was ultimately we used to, for, for the purpose of glorifying God to save souls was saving them physically. Was saving them physically. Just like these people built the church they did not know how significant the church would be. The widow did not know, did not realize that her Savior was watching her. She did not realize the importance of her small gift. And dear friend, you don't know the importance of your gift. You don't know the importance of that fellowship which we just had, the shaking of the hand. We don't do that just because we feel time. We do it for a reason and a purpose. To show that we care for one another, we love one another with a handshake, with a smile, with a hug. To say we care and love for one another. It's important. Little things in life matter. They seem like, oh, it's just so insignificant. But dear friends, the little things matter. We see the watch of the treasury, the widow's gift. But thirdly, the words of wisdom and the weight of the widow. I heard of a human story by a preacher. He was back in the woods a little bit, and he was having a hard time trying to get folks to give money in the, in the collection plate. So he said, I'd like to request that the person who stole the chickens from Brother Smith's hen house please refrain from giving money, any more money to the Lord. And as they passed the plate, everybody gave something. I might try that sometime. <laughs> Now, I'm sure some folks that day gave grudgingly because they didn't think, want people to think they was a thief. But God doesn't want us to give grudgingly. You see, first of all, this woman gave willingly. Look at verse 43. And he called to the disciples and said to them, Verily I say unto you, this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. This little gift this woman had. Seemingly hardly nothing, just pennies, just cents, hardly nothing. It mattered because it was from her heart. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Every man according to as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or out of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You say, you know, preacher, you're talking about money, you know, we don't like to talk about money. I'm talking, yes, about money, but more than that. Men, when you love your wives, God loves your, your love towards your wife. When you wash the dishes, when she needs some, a break from washing the dishes, that's an honorable thing. That's a good thing. 
Ladies, when you do something for your husband, you encourage him, you, you help him, you, you, you show your love towards him, that's a good thing. That's giving of your time. God wants to give our treasures for sure. He wants to give our, 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 our time, but he wants us to give our talents as well. That's why I love when I see these young people up here playing a piano or singing a song because they're giving their treasure. They're giving their treasure. And each one of us has time, talent, and treasure. The thing of it is, what will you do with God has given to you? Will you hold it grudgingly? Now, some people say, no, preacher, nobody wants to hear me sing. Well, what if everybody in the choir said that? You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't have been blessed by that song this morning. What if you said, well, preacher, nobody wants my 25 cent or my 30 cent or my 40 cent or my dollar or my, my $2.50 or my $3.00? Dear friend, don't you know every penny matters to God? It's not the amount so much matters. It's your intent in giving it. It's your intent in giving it. What are you withholding from God that he wants to say, give that to me. Give that to me. He, she gave willingly. You see, friends, you don't have to give. You get to give. You don't have to. You get to give. But not only see the widow gave willingly, she gave in totality. She gave totally. Verse 44, for all they did cast in the abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her little. She didn't hold anything back. She didn't say, well, you know, I'm going to keep a little bit for myself. She gave it all to Jesus. I think we sing a song like that, don't we? All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. We say all to Jesus. What does Jesus want from you today? What is he asking you to do? What did he ask you to do last week that you said yes to him? Maybe he asked you some morning to read your word, the word of God and you said yes, I'm going to read the word. Maybe he asked you to spend time in prayer. You said yes. I'm going to spend time with you in prayer. Maybe he asked you to give a track to a poor soul that came by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You said yes, but maybe you said no. When the Holy Spirit spoke to you in that morning, you said, I'm too busy, Lord, to spend time with you today. I'm too tired. I'm, I'm too tired. I'm too busy to pray today. I'm too busy to tell my neighbor about Jesus today. Oh, dear friend, would you give willingly what God asked from you? He asked of us all to give back to him who's freely given to us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, In this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of men. No, but by the will of God. You see, friends, it is the very will of God that we give to him of our life. If the, un, if the just one was willing to give to the unjust, which is us, how much more should we as poor sinners be willing to give to our Savior who gave everything for us? I read a story about a great preacher by the name of Dr. George Truitt. He was helping out a struggling church. They had a mortgage due, and it was $6,500, and all they had was $3,000. He 
And we got to the end of the service, and only $3,000 came in. $6,500 was due. Brother Truett said, what are you going to do? The money is owed. I, I, I don't have it to give. We need the money to come in. We need $3,500 to reach our goal. And it was quiet. Kind of like right here now. Quiet. Everybody was looking at the preacher. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? How's he going to stir us to give more money? The preacher just sat back and listened. And then from the back, he heard a lady say, Charlie? And Charlie was on the pulpit. He was recording all the gifts that came in. She said, Charlie? Everybody looked. She said, Charlie, do you think we should give the $3,500 that they said our house, was, our house was worth? Should we sell our house and give $3,500 to God, to God who gave so much to us? And Charlie sitting there on the platform said, Jenny, God's been saying the same thing to me. I'm willing to give, sell my house for $3,500 to pay off with the church, the debt of the church. And people stat, stat astonished that this woman was willing to give her very house so the church debt could be paid. And after a few moments of hushed silence, someone stood up and said, I'll raise my gift to $50. Another one said, I'll raise mine to $100. I'll raise mine to $1,000. I'll raise mine to $2,000. And after a while, the debt was paid. The debt was paid. Because one lady was willing to give what she had. She was willing to give what she had. I wonder today, are you willing to give what you have? Are you willing to give what you have? What do you have that God desires of you? You say, preacher, you're talking about money. I'm not particularly talking about money, though. If God's speaking to you, that's between you and God. I'm talking about you totally. Your whole self. When's the last time you said, Lord, I'm willing to give everything to you? I'm willing to give it all to you. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of saying, well, what if or they should, or some other thing. I'm willing to give everything of myself to you, God. See, that's exactly what the woman did. She was willing to give herself totally to God. So we always oftentimes hold back things from God. But she was willing to say, I give it all to God. The question is, what will you do? You see, Jesus knows your heart right now, just like he knows this widow woman. He knows what he's asked you to do. He knows what you have done. He knows what you haven't done. He knows all the excuses you make for not tithing or not going or not, not doing what you know you should do. He knows all the excuses and he hears all the excuses. But now he's saying, won't you give? I promise you this by the authority of the word of God. Whatever God asks you to do. When you meet Jesus, you will be glad. Oh, what a reunion that was going to be when Jesus met that widow woman. 
Maybe in this life, but in the next life for sure. You see, we don't even know this widow woman's name. We don't know if it's Mary or, or Rosie or, or we don't know who, what her name is. Sarah. We don't know what her name is. All we know is she's a widow woman who gave everything that caused Jesus Christ to stop and say, this woman, this widow woman, disciples, that's what I want you to do. Be willing to give everything. And you know what? They did. Every one of those, save Judas, who was there that morning, he was talking to, gave their very lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. What if we did that in our life? Said, today I'm going to live in totally for Jesus. It's not going to be about me, my schedule, my plans, my goals. It's going to be totally for Jesus today. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. What a difference it would be made if we said, all for Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and we thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you for loving us so much. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so we could have everlasting life. Maybe some here, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, have never come to the place where we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ who died for our sins so we could be saved from sin and the punishment of hell forever. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us that, that God commended his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's a terrible penalty for living a life of sin. There's separation from God forever. For the wages of sin is death. I'm so glad I didn't stop there. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I wonder if there'd be someone in this room who came in today and said, Preacher, I hear you talking about giving and this widow but I've never given myself to God. I don't know if I'm saved or not. May I ask you sincerely, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? If you're sitting there in your chair thinking maybe 50% or 75% or 80%, you won't, you won't make the mark. You won't get there. If you're saying, I hope to get to heaven, dear friend, there's, there's no hope so salvation. You can have for sure salvation. For Jesus said, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life.